All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live Steve, as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Crutchler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, and creator, founder of not only just a live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Today, we're going to be talking about when your past is controlling you. What happens when your past relationships and experiences control how you live your life today and tomorrow? Um, today's episode is sponsored by Sherry Cook. Uh, she has a VIP day that she is offering to you. Regular price, $750. Exclusive podcast offer for us, $600. So go and check that out. Link in the description. I'm going to hand it over to our guest speaker today to introduce themselves. Maybe tell you a little bit more about that offer. Sherry, would you like to do the honors? Yes. Hey, Melissa. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Um, I am Sherry Cook, and I coach women who have been affected by betrayal and traumatized by the presence of infidelity, pornography, or cybersex in their relationships. You know, it's a very traumatic experience, um, and we all have to process it, and we all do it in our own ways. So I support women as they go through the ending of a relationship and help them regain trust and confidence, uh, get them a post-traumatic growth mindset, which leads into an abundance mindset because we deserve a beautiful, fabulous life. And we are responsible for creating that. Uh, my VIP day is a three-hour one-on-one deep dive into you, what you've been through, what you're working through. I don't feel the need to go into all the gory details, but we do need to get to the root of the problem to help you process it, process the emotions, feel your way through it, get some clarity, and basically come up with a game plan on how to move forward. So it's really an exciting process. You walk away feeling like a superstar, ready to take on the world again. Yeah, ready to mingle. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I um. I myself, and, and this is why Sherry and I are doing this episode today is because we have this knowledge and this experience. And we, you know, one of the things that I, even in my own coaching practice, I work with couples, I work with individuals who are ready to take that next step and maybe open themselves up to something more. A few years ago, I wrote a book. Um, and in this book, I detailed all of my past relationships and how every single one of those relationships brought me to my marriage brought me the knowledge, the understanding, the, you know, every one of them taught me something different. And I detailed that out, like, um, th they were all lessons while they were great at times and weren't great at times. They all did end, which we take as a very negative thing. <clears throat> but when we look at a relationship, especially past relationships and say, okay, well, this one didn't end well. Maybe I was cheated on. Maybe, you know, the relationship just ended. Maybe it ended on good terms or sour terms. No matter how it ends, it ends. And if you look at it differently and say, you know, what, what, what did I learn from this experience? I had the relationship right before my husband taught me how to, you know, put myself first and really understand <clears throat> the lack of manipulation. I was very manipulative in that, <clears throat> in that relationship. So was my partner at the time. Um, and so, but every single one of those taught me something different that I needed to learn in order to create the relationship that I'm in now. 
Absolutely. So that's one of the reasons why um, it, I like to refer to it as post-traumatic growth. You may have been through something traumatic, but it is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. And as most of us know who have been down this road, you need to get uncomfortable. You need to reach that point of this is icky to grow from it. If not, you stay in your comfort zone. You never leave. You never learn more about yourself. And honestly, if you want to learn about the other person, go for it. But this should be a self-discovery journey first. You have to know who you are and what you want to bring that to a relationship and for the two of you to work together to make something great. But learning about yourself, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly, which we all have, that's priceless. That's how you that's how you level up yourself and your next relationship. Mm -hmm. You yeah. have to realize where you are to get to that next that next step. So my oldest is 21 this year and <clears throat> he had a, a pretty decent breakup uh, shortly after the beginning of the year. And it was his first live in his first, you know, real serious, serious relationship. And it ended and, and he was upset about it. And she was upset about it. And I said, you know what, you know what this, this teaches you though? I said, do you know what you want? And he goes, no. And I said, well, do you know how you learn what you want? And he goes, no. And I said, it's not just asking yourself what you want. It's figuring out what you don't want. That's the starting point, right? If you don't know what you want, you don't know where you want to be. If you're not happy in your relationship, if you're not happy in your life, your relationships have ended. No matter what aspect of your life you're in, that starting point is what don't I want? If I don't want this, well, then maybe I want this. If I don't want that, maybe I want that. It, you go through that process during the healing journey of a past relationship. But so today we're talking about when they control you. So let's get into that. So when you've gotten out of a, a traumatic relationship or a traumatic experience, what ends up happening, especially if you haven't healed that experience, is uh, you haven't healed it, you haven't found the lesson in it, all of that. And I can go into that for hours, but we're not. What ends up happening is you bring that forward. You bring the fears forward. You bring the limiting beliefs forward. You build, you bring the emotional and the mental um, impact, excuse me, forward with you into the present day. And then what ends up happening is, again, those fears. Oh, that's a red flag. Oh, I, I don't want to go down that road again. Or, oh, I, I don't know how many people, and I'm going to mention this really quickly, is I don't know how many women and men that I've talked to who are like, oh, I'm, I'm single for life. I love being single. And I sit there in the back of my head and I've actually asked a few people this are, are you really happy single or are you just too scared and resigned to try again? The fear can be debilitating. I mean, and most of it, quite honestly, that I found Melissa is we're stuck in our own heads. And in our own hearts, because we don't want to be hurt again. We don't want to be vulnerable again. We're scared to go down that road. We're scared to include somebody in our life that is wielding that power. Now, we're the ones who have the power to release that. We're the ones who have the power within ourselves to 
process it and let it go. But whenever you've been traumatized, and, and by traumatized, I even mean a bad breakup like your son went through. That's a trauma event. Mm -hmm. And how we process those, even the little trauma events we have on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, how we process each and every one of them affects whether or not we bring them forward and whether or not they color how we see other people, other relationships, other even dynamics amongst people. It could be parent-child. It could be boyfriend-girlfriend. It could be husband-wife. It could be boss and employee. Mm -hmm. But when we bring those traumas with us, they hold us back. They, they hold us hostage to our past experiences and the emotions and feelings that we have given to them. Yeah. One of the things that I that I love to point out, because we are we are very emotionally charged individuals, we're human beings, of course, we're emotional, right? And we're very instinctual. And, you know, you think of an animal that's caught in a in a corner, right? It's fight or flight. And when we've been traumatized or hurt in any way, whether big or small, we do create that fight or flight mode, we do create the the trauma responses, the instinctual, oh, that back off, right? Um, one of the things that, that I realized is to help people move forward, you know, maybe when they're feeling stuck or they're feeling that it is to trigger that emotional response. And when I say trigger that emotional response, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it for a lot of you right now. So if you're watching or catching the <laughs> ready for this one, um, your ex is still controlling you. How angry does that make people? If you think about, you know, and it doesn't even have to be your ex, right? If it's a parent, a friend, a family member, uh, whoever is associated with that trauma, right? Or even just the event itself. If I mention that that, that person or that situation is still controlling you now, how angry does that make people? That like I would be livid if I thought that my mother or one of my exes was still controlling my life today and stopping me from having, you know, a, a good life and a happy life. I would be pissed. I would be livid beyond belief. That's when you get to realize, what am I doing? No way are you having that power anymore. And that's when we finally get that aha moment of I have the power to change it. Well, and that's a question I like to ask is how much more time and energy are you going to give to that person and that relationship? Yep. Because how many years or months or days or whatever, did they already suck dry from you and you think, oh, I divorced them or I processed it or whatever. But if you haven't really done the work, if you haven't felt the feelings and gone through the pain and decided, like you said, with your son, what you want, what you don't want, what are your negotiables and your non-negotiables for your next relationship, for who you are and what you want, something is blocking you. And a lot of times it could be that control, that power from your past mm -hmm. that's keeping you stuck. And you're on the same hamster wheel and the same thoughts are going through your head and you just can't, for whatever reason, move forward. 
And that 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 totally stunts your whole healing journey. Um, and I I can totally relate. You know, married for twenty five years, found my um, husband's secret secret sexual addictions, divorced him, thought I was good on my healing journey. Four years out, met another gentleman, said this is where I've been and this is what I'm not putting up with. Blah blah blah. Well. Fast forward seven years with him, found out he was also a pornography addict and had a secret sexual addiction. But because I was trauma bonded from my first relationship and never truly processed it and healed from it, I walked with eyes wide open into another relationship because I didn't do the work to the extent that I needed to. And it totally colored how I saw him because I thought to myself, I cannot be that dumb to make this decision twice. And lo and behold, there it is. But like you, I needed that. I needed to learn that lesson. I needed to level up myself and my game to be where I am today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, You made a comment in there about standards. And uh, I love that you commented on that because we're going to get into this. Disney lied, ladies. Disney lied. We, I, I, I seriously need to do some sort of episode on how Disney lied to us. Maybe we'll get into it here. But a relationship has three parts. It has you, your partner, and the relationship itself. And each of you bring different things to that relationship. Each of you take different things out of that relationship. Disney taught us, though, I I don't know how many women that I've talked to who are like, oh, I need a sugar daddy or I need a man to save me. Or, you know, I want Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome. I want Prince Charming. And I just sit there and I like... Oh, I get so angry because, you know, I found Mr. Taldark and Handsome when I was 16 and man, he, he was gorgeous, but he ended up sleeping with my best friend. He ended up just not like no commitment. It was horrible, horrible. And I realized very early on that if I wanted to choose Mr. Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome, if that was my standards, right? And when I first got into the coaching sphere, oh my goodness, the lists that I saw from other women on what they required in their partner. Oh my goodness. I was like, yep, well, there's, there's goes Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome, who's going to cheat on you every chance that they get. Uh, Prince Charming is a narcissist in disguise who knows how to, you know, charm his way through. Look at Jeffrey Dahmer, (laughs) Ted Bundy. Um, And it was just Disney lied to us. They told us that we had all these fancy expectations and these fancy outcomes. It's like how they say sex sells, right? Happy ending sell. Happy ending sell. And we, we, my generation, especially right with Disney movies was, it was just this, you know, the little mermaid and Belle and Beauty and the Beast, all of these movies that I was like, dude, I don't want that. I don't want that. 
well, you know, I'm the Cinderella Snow White generation. Mm -hmm. So it was, we had a tough life at home and then Prince Charming comes and kisses you and takes you away happily ever after. And there's no relationship dynamic. There's no what happens after the wedding when they got to go live in the castle together and they've got to deal with everyday problems and then kids and in-laws and outlaws and friends and family. And what about communication? And what about, you know, not being on the same page and conflict resolution? Mm -hmm. It's like, holy mackerel. Yeah. Disney did a number on us and they still are. Um, And, you know, you were talking about your son at 21, you know, losing this relationship that I'm sure, you know, at a young age, we idealize our partners. We are going to fall in love and we're going to be on that honeymoon stage forever and ever and ever. And we're always going to totally love each other. And we're always going to totally like each other. And if you get a conflict, you know, you sweep it under the rug because it's not that important and it's going to go away. And we're just going to keep bobbing along like everything's happening. You know, who has to go to work? Who has to make money? Who has to pay the bills? Kids, Kids are not taught today, even adults, how to relationship. Well, the, the, the rate of divorce for, for my generation, I'm, I'm assuming yours as well, the divorce rate mm-hmm. is horrendous. And a lot of that is, you know, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but going back to, you know, generations past, my grandparents, my great grandparents, divorce was not an option. Religiously mm-hmm. and, you know, so societally, divorce was not an option you were forced to stay in that marriage right and and society has taught us that for for many years many eons and then all of a sudden we have now it's okay right divorce is oh i'm you know i'm in this new generation i'm just if i don't like my partner i'm just going to get divorced now we've got the positivity movement which is doing the same thing if it's too toxic or if it's too you know whatever then just get out just leave just walk away and it's like i understand it if somebody is toxic to you genuinely toxic and there's a difference but genuinely toxic to the point where you can't stand yourself around that person that's toxic if that person is hurting your feelings and you haven't said, honey, you're hurting my feelings. Like I really need you to stop saying that. Um, this is my husband and the word useless. I hate the word useless and I don't hate many things. I hate the word useless. And it got to a point where I was like, I would fly off the handle immediately if he even uttered the word useless. And I wasn't happy where we were at at that point. You know, life was getting in the way. He was working a lot and I was at home by myself with three kids and a bunch of animals. I was, I was frustrated. Right. And he would use the word useless. And I was like, Oh, Oh, we're, we're going to, we're going to die on this hill. Um, And it got to a point where I sat him down and I said, listen, like, I need you to understand, you know, me just telling you that I don't like that word is not, you're not getting it. I said, um, you don't have to agree with me, but you're not getting it. You need to understand because I don't intend. The thing is intention too, right? He wasn't intentionally trying to hurt me. 
he was trying to express himself, express his needs and wants and desires while trying to get me to understand where he was coming from. But instead of doing it in a way that I would be receptive to it, it was very angry. It was very, you know, uh, non-intentional, but useless again. Right. Um, But that's what relationships lack these days is the, is there the intention hurt you? Is there the intention to be toxic or negative? Have you had the conversation Because lots of people today don't have the communication skills to sit down with a partner and say, you know what, this is really bothering me and and we need to talk about it. No, 110%. I I agree with you. You know, relationships, partners, significant others, spouses, whatever you want to call them, they're all disposable in today's society. Mm -hmm. People don't know, understand the definition of loyalty and commitment anymore uh, like you said, they the trendy buzzwords like narcissist and narcissism, you know, what people need to understand is we all are narcissistic to a certain extent. Nobody, nobody, one person, no one person has the corner on that market. Okay. But it's the degree to which you have it and the degree to which you wield it against other people. And back to what you said, the intention, you know, there are people who are, who are narcissists. Um, My ex was diagnosed with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. To this day, he sees nothing wrong with the behaviors he did against me. I I believe my mother uh, is an undiagnosed narcissist, a true narcissist. Um, And it's a very rare it is very rare because I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I spoke to a psychiatrist who did their dissertation on narcissism. And she had said it is being thrown around way too much. And I, I, would, I would venture to say from my own personal experience with people in my, in my vicinity or in my life, most people who cry narcissists are actually more narcissistic than their partners. And that's, that's been my experience. I have um, a former relative in, you know, uh, married into the family um, who cried narcissist, but that person was wholeheartedly showed every sign that they themselves were the narcissist. And you're right. It is thrown out there way too much. So I'm going to let you finish. Sorry. I had to intercept. And and, no, on that same vein, um, you know, there are narcissists and people who cry narcissism, but I think some of those are, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing where they're just really Mm self-centered and they just want their way and they don't want to compromise and they don't want to discuss things. But, you know, I said, people don't know how to relationship anymore. And part of that is communication. People don't want to have the difficult conversations. They just want to cop out. Well, he doesn't agree with me, so he's wrong. Well, what's 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 triggering that? What's behind that? You know, all of this is, again, can be part of your trauma and your healing that if you haven't gone through it, if you haven't processed it and learned that you have to communicate your wants, your needs, you know, the good and the bad. You just don't communicate about what's wrong. You got to communicate what's about what's right and what you appreciate in a relationship and in a partner too. 
Um, and letting someone know, hey, useless, that triggered me. You know, tell them that word is a trigger for me. Or, you know, let's find another word you can use instead. And not only that, but having like, we talk about uh, non-communication and cancel culture is another huge one, right? The disposable culture. That's what cancel culture is. It's it's disposability, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have cell phones. Oh, my cell phone doesn't work. Oh, I'm just going to go get a new one. Or, oh, I broke this. Oh, I'm just going to go get a new one. Nothing is made to last anymore, right? Most companies, I watched it on a show the other day. It's like, well, why don't you buy this mop? Because this mop, you know, will last 20 years. And the owner of the company is like, but I don't want it to last 20 years. I want it to last maybe a year so that they have to keep buying them. That's what this culture has become. Our, Our cancel culture, all of that. And on top of that, there's that lack of communication. And part of that is, is it's laziness. It's unmotivated laziness because um, let's let's keep going with the useless comment. You know, if I, when I told my husband that I don't like the word useless, a lot of people in our in in cult in society today would leave it at that. They they wouldn't go into any more detail. Where I know for my relationship, I have to, in order for him to truly understand and not continue to do it. I have to explain. I have to explain why I feel that way. I have to not necessarily get him to agree because that's not the purpose of it. I need him to understand and and validate my feelings on it. We don't have to agree. He can think that the word useless is the greatest word in the in the English uh, you know in the English language. And that's totally fine, right? It's understanding that when you use it, it's like cursing. Mm-hmm. right? I will curse like a sailor when I'm home. Absolutely wholeheartedly. But you will very rarely see me curse on the show. You will very rarely see me curse towards my mama or even near my mama because she doesn't like it, right? And it's that compromise and that respect of, you know what, I'm going to not say that around you because I know that it hurts you and I know that you do not like it. Um, I don't feel like creating that animosity. So why don't I'm just gonna I'm gonna make that little change while we're while we're together around each other, right? There's that confirm con compromise and communication. So people don't understand those words anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, communication is like you said, not just saying. I disagree with that, or I prefer if you don't use that word. It's communicating with an understanding that you're not judging them, you're not blaming them or shaming them for any any way. It's, this is my point of view. Here it is. I hope you'll respect it. I don't expect you to agree with me, but this is how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you have a conversation about that. It doesn't have to be, you know, anybody getting angry or judgy because it is what it is. You know, this bothers me. Mm -hmm. I'd appreciate it if we could figure out a way. I'm not asking you to change your behavior if that's something you feel strongly about. But I would like to know that when you do that in my presence, this is how it makes me feel. 
And it's just communicating that. Yeah. And that's all you can do. Um, a lot of uh, relationship issues that I've noticed, even in my own, even in, you know, my kids, my daughter came home one day and she said, mom, I got into it with this kid at school. And I said, oh, what happened? <laughs> she says, well, this, this child at school said that um, police officers don't save lives. Ambulances do, or like first responders. And I was like, okay. I said, so what was your point? She goes, well, I think police officers save lives. And I said, okay. I said, so which one of you is wrong? Trick question, neither one. Um, and she's like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, exactly. I said, neither one of you were wrong. I said, you guys are saying, you know, police officers do save lives because they protect people, right? If they have to, they provide medical first aid. If, you know, otherwise, they absolutely will protect and serve and make sure that, you know, if somebody's in danger, they will go and remove them from the danger. And they do, they save lives. I said, on the other hand, flip side, the medical professionals, the EMT, the EMS, they do, they're medically trained to save lives in that moment, medically. I said, so neither one of you were wrong. I said, you're arguing about the same thing. Um, and she's like, well, I said, did you leave it at that? She goes, no. And I said, well, then you were fighting because your belief was, <laughs> was triggered. So what ends up happening in, in any conversation or any communication that you have, whether it's with your partner, your child, your parent, anybody, mm -hmm. is when somebody feels like their belief is not validated, right? Because we all look for outside validation, even though we don't need it and we shouldn't. If I tell you, if I tell Sherry today that the sky is green and Sherry's like, no, the sky is blue. And I'm like, but I see green. Right. Like there's a green tinge to it or orange or whatever. Which one of us is wrong? Neither one of us. Because what I believe is what I believe. What Sherry believes it's what Sherry believes. I don't have to change that. So when I have this discussion or when you have a discussion with somebody and they start to argue with you, they want to either change your belief to theirs or you have threatened the validity of their belief. And that's why people argue because we, as a society, and I think our parents probably created this, <laughs> is the need to be right. Yes. The need to overcome and over and subdue or overcome somebody else's belief and opinion to validate our own. And that's not what it's supposed to be. I agree with that. And I, and I do think, um, you know, a lot of our generation came from that. You know, what your parent says is what your parent says. You don't argue. You don't question. You do what they say you do. And nowadays, I think parents are too busy trying to be friends. So again, you know, something is definitely getting lost in the whole relationship dynamic between, you know, us of the parent's opinion is right to now of the parent agrees with the child and they don't want to argue because they don't want to not be seen as the child's friend. And there has to be a happy medium in there somewhere. And as adults who 
want healthy, loving relationships, we need to learn how to respect each other's opinions um, and points of view without causing a lot of drama and discord, because that would be all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that goes hand in hand with our topic. When your past Mm -hmm. controls you, you think about the way that we were raised. We're trying to either, and and here's two, two variations to that. We're either trying to create that same scenario with our own children or we're doing the complete opposite and going, I'm never going to be like my parents and I'm never going to treat my kid this way. And you go the complete opposite and it has harmful effects that way. We are going to screw up as parents. We're going to screw up as partners. We're going to screw up as everything. We are meant to screw up. We're meant to learn and grow. That's part of it. But again, you know, the way you were raised, don't let that control the way that you raised your child. Don't let that control if you go overboard in a certain way, or if you go too lenient on a certain way, find your own style. Yes, you can take your past and go, what have I learned? What have I not liked? Let's not do that. And let's figure out something better that still, you know, gets that point across, right? My children know they can come to me with anything. My partner knows that he can come with me about anything. Um, They know my triggers, my absolute non-negotiable, mom's going to rip my head off triggers. They know those, but they also know that I have a grace period in between that. I don't, if you push me, then I will go to that trigger. If I tell you I need space or I'm about to be triggered, let's cut this off for the next 20 minutes while I go calm myself down, right? And take accountability for our own actions. Don't let your past, whatever that looks like, whether that's your childhood, your relationships, your parents, your schooling, your trauma, whatever trauma it is, don't let that control the possibility of your future and the happiness of your present beautifully stated too many times in the past, we do project everything from the past. It's part of our baggage that we bring forward. You can release that. You can let that go. Just take the lessons you need, the positive things you need from that. Keep the negative as your no list, but bring the positive forward. Use them to your advantage. Help those things, those experiences create what you want out of life to teach to your kids, to share with your partner, to create in your family dynamic, even if it is with a mother who you maybe didn't have the best relationship growing up, redefine that within yourself because realize that she did the best she could, just like you're doing the best you can with your kids, but bring the positive things forward with you and into your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we get going? Uh, Melissa, it's been great. I'm super excited to offer your um, anybody listening and watching the VIP day. And I think you said the link is in the description. So thank you so much for having me. Delightful conversation. Sounds great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and whoever, <laughs> we'll just go with that. I don't normally say ladies and gentlemen. All right, just a family. That sounds better.
that is in our episode. Uh, Make sure that you go and click Sherry's links to her VIP day or to her social media and website. Get in touch with her, follow her, get to know her and see what she's got going on. Um, If you want to reach out to myself, obviously, you know, my links in the description, or you can reach out to me at justalivetv.com or through any of our social media um, outlets. With that being said, if you would like to be a guest speaker, blogger, sponsor, or if you want to see a topic featured on the show, please make sure that you reach out to us at justalivetv.com again, or across our social media platforms there. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today. I have absolutely loved this conversation. Thank you, Melissa. It's been great. All right, everybody. I'm Melissa Crutchley, your host. I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.